Everybody talks about it. Nobody wants to mention it. Let's get unbothered about it. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. But first off, I've got to get these two little dogs off of me. Bijou bed. Jerry bed. Come on. Be good puppies. Come on. Go to bed, Jerry. Good boy. You guys hang out there. Be good, please. I love you. I'm not annoyed with my little dogs. Actually, they've been really good lately. But they had Whimsy's alligators earlier today on the car ride home. And I can't give them Whimsy's like two days in a row or even especially not <clears throat> twice in a day. Because, um, you know, it's too much. It's like if you ate too much candy, I guess, but it's not like candy, but it's just not good for their stomachs. I used to try to give them daily, and uh, I do recommend Whimsies always, but like for every day. And plus, they just don't need them because it's not like they're needing, needing to chew that much. You know, a bigger dog that can digest that. I would imagine that works out well for them. Like, uh, I told my niece to try Whimsies, and I'll find out what she thought of them. And if not, I'll end up buying her some. And then I'll tell you guys what the review was on her big boy. She's got a pit bull. His name's Dave, but he's a rescue, and he was abused. Um, so she's having to deal with that, you know, and that's not, like, the easiest in the way that... Uh, he's a really good boy, but he's really shy. He's uh, afraid to come out of the... Um, out of his dog house he doesn't like to be inside her house he wants to be outside and he's just you know having a little trouble adjusting but he doesn't do anything bad so it's not like she's mad at him or she doesn't like him she just wishes he would warm up a bit more and true to form Bijou has to get annoying and start playing with her snake right now she hasn't played with that snake uh, no I'm not even joking with you guys she hasn't played with that snake since the last time she pissed me off when I was doing unbothered with it which I didn't even yell at her at that time I was just because I have these rules in case you guys don't know I usually don't discourage my dogs from having fun because I feel like they're such good puppies, and they're always doing what I need them to do when we're on the road together. So when it comes to her playing with this annoying squeaky toy, even though she knows I'm trying to do Unbothered right now, I'm going to let it slide because, oh, now she's humping Mr. Bill. A much quieter situation. So let me get to what I'm actually trying to talk about here. Uh, I ended up in Phoenix because last week I thought I was supposed to be in Las Vegas to the point where, well, let me back, back, back it up. Um, what actually had happened was I was talking to my mom. Well, first I called and I called my dad's um, phone and my dad was like, Oh, it's my long lost son, which my parents aren't needy at all. But I knew that he was letting me know that I hadn't talked to him in a while, even though he jokes about it. So, of course, I'm just like, shut it. And that is the way I talk to my dad. And like, that's our friendship. And so I like, shut it. And then I, uh, he started laughing. And then um, we both like chuckled and then talked for a little while. And then uh, I, he asked me when they were going to get to see me. And then my mom said the same thing when I talked to her almost immediately after because I was like, pass her the phone. And so she was like, you know, when do I get to see you? And like I said, they're not needy at all. I love my parents because I've always understood 
that I have to do what I have to do. And I've always felt like being away from them at the times that I had to be away from them was the right thing to do. So what happened was I was so convinced that I was supposed to be in Las Vegas that I went and dropped my dogs off with Chris Rubio and his wife because they were going to watch the dogs while I was in Vegas. Me and Chris Rubio talked for a while. We said our goodbyes. You know, we're been friends forever now, so we have a quick, like, chat, and then, you know, I brief them on whatever they need to know whether it's going on with the dogs, if there's anything going on, or just that kind of stuff, you know, and then some friends of mine had invited me to church. I know I said I went to church last week, and it was hot as hell in that church, and here's one thing that got on my nerves about church. Afterwards, the pastor, because it was like, I don't know if it's non-denominational or what technically it is, but the the pastor was talking to me, and he was like, uh, he was like, so you're a comedian? And I was like, I was like, yeah, and then he was like, so there's a lot of pain there, huh? And I just looked at him like, I don't know what you're saying right now. And then the other friend was like, yeah. And then I was like in my head, like, no. Like, I don't know what people are going through these days. I mean, I've definitely had my my times where I've been working shit out. And like that is a part of a cycle to me. But I'm not understanding all these people. Like you, you see on Facebook a lot lately, hurt people hurt people. And it's like. I think you just want company and feeling hurt because things have happened in my life where I've dated people or I've, you know, had friendships and yeah, somebody got fucked over. Sometimes that was me, but like overall, the way I feel about everything was I learned lessons from everything that's happened. So I don't carry around hurt. I have lessons that I've learned but I don't really feel that, you know, I, I guess I just move on when I feel like something's not working for me or something needs to change. You know, I'm not a person who's going to sit there and be like, I'm hurt. I can't do anything. It's like, no, you don't have to be hurt forever. You can be. And sometimes it's not even a hurt. Sometimes it's just about like, oh, yeah, this is a lesson I needed to learn again. Because sometimes when you get to a certain age, it just feels like you have dealt with different things in different forms and you're like, oh, this is just a new mutation of that. But it's basically the same problem that I had earlier, the same type of personality that I was attracting. And so I need to figure out why it is I'm attracting that type of personality or what it is that's pulling that energy towards me. But I'm not sitting around and hurt. So I was annoyed that that even got said like that because it's like, Who the fuck are you to come up and be like, who hurt you or uh, are you hurt? And then I mentioned uh, online, that's why I said the who hurt you, because on my Facebook, I put up a post about people asking who hurt you when we get in a Trump conversation. And I'm just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You people are way too deep about everything and it's not even that serious. Like... Um, so here's what I was getting at. So my parents had let me know that they hadn't seen me. I dropped off my dogs at, uh, Chris Rubio's house. Then I went to church with my friends. Uh, it was hot as hell. That guy got on my nerves anyway. Cause like pastor. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't buy into pastor, priest, any of that shit. I'm, you're a man. I'm a man. That's what the fuck it is. I don't need you to read me the Bible and tell me what it is. Uh, no, I'm lying. 
that's where I do sometimes like you is because I'm not going to force myself to read the, the Bible. So if I show up somewhere and somebody's just reading the Bible, I'm like, cool, this dude is reading the Bible. And then sometimes you'll throw your little anecdote in, which I appreciate that too. A lot of times it doesn't really resonate for me in that way. Like I'm like, oh, I see exactly what you're saying. I'm like, oh, this is a way for me to go ahead and reinterpret it in my own head because you're putting it in a simpler form because you're a man talking in modern day speak. And then I can relate it to a story with me. And that's where I get my bit from the Bible. Um, my bit of God, maybe you could say. But really, I just need you to read the fucking words and not try to act like you're some kind of, you're definitely not an soothsayer or you're just nothing you're just another man that's the way I feel about pastors priests and I don't care if this offends you as far as your religion goes I'm not talking about you specifically but yes in general these people that try to tell us this is the way it's supposed to be and I know because what because you read the bible a bunch of fucking times Get over yourself. So anyway, I went to um, the church and then all of a sudden somebody hit me up about um, where I was going to be or like Las Vegas. And then I was like, let me look at everything on the website so I don't give them the wrong information. And I looked at my, my thing on the website and then I was like, oh shit, what's today? It turned out that was the 24th. And so I was planning on leaving the 25th. It turns out that I don't have to leave until the 31st. Yeah, I believe that's what it is now. I think I got it. But anyway, so uh, then I was just like, I'm not booked anywhere, and I completely lost this week. Like, I just didn't pay attention to the week at all, and I don't know how I did that, but I didn't pay attention to it at all. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I guess I'll go to Phoenix and see what's up over there. So I went to Phoenix hung out with my best friend. We uh, mowed his lawn. I went and borrowed my sister's lawn mower. We did that. Then I hung out with a bigger group of friends the next day, including my best friend, which it was nice getting to hang out and be uh, like a normal person, you know, hanging out with regular people and not everybody's talking about stand-up. And then I went to a comic party on Saturday night. Because Friday night, I got a good Phoenix drunk going on Friday night. I got to tell you that. Or no, Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night was when I got a good Phoenix drunk going on. And so I got drunk and I ended up sleeping at my friend Jamel's house, which normally I wouldn't drink because I have my puppies. But since my puppies were at my parents' place and I know my dad wakes up ridiculously early, like four in the morning or something like that, he can just let my puppies out, then they can go potty. And he just does that anyway because my parents get a kick out of how well-behaved and well-trained my puppies are. So my parents like that they can just open up the side door and let them, you know, into their yard because they've got like a kind of an area that's already a dog run for their dogs, but their dogs are kind of wild. And it's just, you know, because I spent a lot of time with my puppies on the road and having to teach them how to make life easy for me so we can all travel together where my parents were raised in a generation where a dog got tied to the tree. And that wasn't at all considered, even when I was growing up, like when I was young, that wasn't at all considered cruel or anything. Like you would just leave the dogs. And of course you did. Being in Arizona, you know, you did things for them like 
would make sure that uh, they had a shaded area and that kind of stuff. But when I was growing up, dogs weren't like dogs are today. And most of you that were around back then know that what I'm saying is Labrador. So anyway, we went to Phoenix. We had a good time over there. Um, it was nice to be a regular person. I went to the comedy party. I performed on the... Um, I performed on Facebook Live. I, I like put it so that people could see it on the live feed. But I said a couple of things that somebody might deem hateful, and so I just went ahead and took the Facebook Live down immediately after. If you guys ever want to just check out one of my Facebook Lives, you should check it out while I'm actually doing it and, you know watch it live because some of them I know I'm going to have to delete right after if I'm doing a live performance and, you know, something gets flagged or something. I, I don't know what the fuck people are doing these days. It's all silly to me, you know. I'm figuring out exactly what platform is going to be the most beneficial for me as far as saying things in an uncensored way without getting people... Because for me... I'm just telling stories and I'm just saying things the way I see them. So when people try to censor you on that, it's like, why do you have a problem with me having thought? Why do you have a problem with me presenting things I want to say in a different way? I, I just don't get that. Like, I don't mind if, I've said this a million times before, but I don't care if you think the complete opposite of me. I'm not at all threatened by that. I don't feel like there's anything I have to flag about that. Like, you're welcome. If I don't like what you're saying, then I don't listen to you. I don't watch you. I don't pay attention to you. This is what I do. I'm not a person who's like, oh, I don't think you should say that to anybody ever. I'm like, say it. Say it all you want to say it. Just, I don't have to listen to it. As long as nobody forces me to listen to anything, I'm good. And there have been like several things where some people are really into it and like, oh, I want to know what's going on. And, so, and I just haven't been. Now, there are certain things that, things that get me, you know, where I just have to like be in there and see exactly what everybody's saying and read threads and stuff. And I, you know, every once in a while enjoy that, but... There's a lot of things that people have picked up on where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really into that one at all. <clears throat> I just don't really care like that. Oh, I saw Olivia Hater tonight, speaking of Facebook and Facebook drama. Uh, I went to, because I got back into town tonight, Saturday night, and I was going to go to a garage open mic, but I hit up Kenny Lyon and Jeff Carasales to see what they were up to, and they were going to go to Lotus. And I had remembered that... Um, I had been invited to Lotus to, like, anytime I want to go perform, to perform. And, like, so I walk out to the back and I see Olivia Hader. Well, I see David Rosenberg, who got on my nerves at a point, but whatever with David Rosenberg. He's always going to be David Rosenberg. And I like David Rosenberg. A lot of us call him Rosie on the scene. I like Rosie. I love Rosie. We used to occasionally go get something to eat together or that kind of stuff, but... He just got too whiny for me, and he doesn't offer real solutions. Like, the way he talks is very, like, no, you did this wrong, and, and, you know, like, that's the way he talks on Facebook. And it's like, sometimes you make valid points, but the way that you say it is so whiny and condescending that nobody's ever going to listen to you. Nobody's ever going to care or take in anything you're saying. 
and you're not getting that. You just keep doing it over and over and over. So one time he tried to start shit between me and somebody else over one of his Facebook posts, and it was because I told him that he was trying to fuck with the weak-minded, and, uh, you know, like, that's the only buddy, the, the only people that he seems smart to is, like, you know, weak-minded people. So then he called out another person, and he was like, oh, I must seem, I must be weak-minded, or so-and-so must be weak-minded. Well, little did he know, I had already got into it with that motherfucker several years ago and let him have it, so he didn't want none. He didn't say anything else on that thread as far as I went, like the other guy. And I was, like, you know, not trying to encourage Rosie because I felt like, don't fucking, everybody always wants to talk about uh, deflecting. This is deflecting right now. Right now, you are deflecting. You're trying to bring somebody else in and make it about that when really I was talking to you. And so because Rosie didn't know I had already gone into it with this person or whatever, I just left alone and let it be what it was. And the, like I said, there was never a response from that guy towards me. Because like I said, that guy's a fuck up. And I had told him years ago because he fucked up. He was just being a piece of shit. And I just told him, like, this is what it is. Bam, that's it fucking done, right? So Rosie doesn't know this. And I see Rosie out and I'm like, what the fuck were you trying to do? And it really did get on my nerves because I really did like Rosie and respect Rosie as a friend. But when you do that kind of shit and you're always fucking whiny and you're not getting that I'm giving you constructive criticism when it comes down to your approach in dealing with people, I'm great at fucking talking to people. I mean, like when it comes to like one-on-one conversation and listening to people and being like, oh, okay, like maybe that's not for me, but I can see how that's for you and then like you continue the dialogue and that's where a lot of times you can show people and they can also show you where is they're coming from rather than just going on words which in a lot of cases words are great and words help us understand but words don't paint the full picture they really don't paint the full picture in a lot of cases. Sometimes when you really watch somebody and get to know what they are and kind of get to know their heart as cheesy as that might sound sometimes you're like oh those words were actually fucking up what you were really, really trying to say, which is a part of the way that I felt, felt and still feel about Rosie. I just really didn't respect that move, you know? I really didn't respect that, trying to turn it into like an argument between me and somebody else that I hadn't even referenced. I didn't comment on their sub thread, anything like that. So anyway, I saw Olivia Hater tonight, and you know... I think more and more about the Olivia Hater situation and the way that went down. And I was kind of in the wrong, and I'll admit, like where my my thing was and I fucked up, was Tuesday Thomas, who's another comic on the scene. You may have seen her on Botched, and that's not a clown or a read. She was on Botched. Um, and, but anyway, uh, Tuesday, who I used to be really friendly with, and I kind of like Tuesday still, but... She's gotten on my nerves a couple of times, and maybe we'll get a little more into that on this episode, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just, I don't know where this is going to go. Just understand, I'm going to say whatever I want to say, because this is all 100% true. So why shouldn't I tell the story just the way it went? I used to be friendly with Tuesday Thomas. One day she got on my nerves, uh, but back when we were still friends, there was a point where it was Trans Day of Remembrance. I had gotten into it with Kate Gary, which is a story that I have told on my podcast before. You search through and find the episode if you want to hear it. 
I don't remember what episode it was on. But anyway, uh, I w- had gotten into it with Kate Gary on uh, Trans Day of Remembrance, and it was about a Robin Tran article. And then later on, after I had wrapped all that up with Kate Gary, then all of a sudden Tuesday Thomas hit me up, and she was like, did you see that post Olivia Hader put up? And I wasn't friends with Olivia Hader, and I hadn't seen the post. And then she was like, yeah, she put up this post about how like she sees the people that are still booking the transphobic, whatever whatever, whatever, whatever. And so the way Tuesday tells me the first time that she says it and is in a way like it's directed towards me and that, uh, you know, kind of like you should get over there and see what Olivia Hader is saying about you type of the ways or type of delivery is the way that she said it. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go check it out, which this, again, is me being stupid. This is why I say you've got to call yourself on your shit. you got to know when you're fucking up. And it took me this long to even think about this, the way this went down. And I don't know 100% where I am, am with it because I saw Olivia Hater tonight, and then that's what reminded me of how that actually started because I was talking to Kenny uh, about it afterwards because Olivia Hater left as soon as I got there, which... I have feelings and opinions about that, but we can let's not get sidetracked any further than we already have. Um, so I was talking to Kenny about it, and then I was I faded off because I was like, that is how that started. Because Tuesday made it seem like you need to get over there and see what Olivia's ha- Olivia Hater is saying about you. This is where I was saying I was stupid because I'm stupid because I actually went over there when really I should have been like. I don't, I'm not friends with Olivia Hater on Facebook. And the only time I've seen her, we were pleasant with each other because before that, we had been pleasant with each other when we had met each other at Karma. She was hanging out with Lisa Chanu and Madison Shepard, and I can't remember who else, but there was Kelly McInerney. So there was the group of them that were hanging out together. And uh, then me and Madison were going to go smoke some weed. So Madison asked Olivia for her pipe. And Olivia had, a, like, not a one-hitter, but a little pipe. And so we went around the corner. We um, smoked some weed. Then we went back to inside. And then I did my set. And Olivia was in the room for that. And she seemed fine with it. And then Olivia did her set. And I will be honest when I say that I did think she was funny. And I did find her entertaining. And, you know, like, she had been cool enough. So it was like, whatever. And I didn't know anything about her online reputation or anything to me. To me, there was just this girl named Olivia Hater, which like, I know girl, like, you know, whatever, like I knew she was trans, but that doesn't really register in my world in that way. Like, I don't care. That's what people don't get about me is I just don't care even a little bit when it comes to that. I've had so many trans friends that it's not even a thing for me. That's why if you're an asshole and you're trans, I'll say anything I want to to you just because I feel like I still just consider you a fucking person. You know, like I, at the end of the day, I don't fucking care. But I know if I can fucking bag on you and you're going to be so fucking easy, especially if that's like the flag you're waving the whole time. It's like, who wants to be a fucking flag? Just fucking be a cool person and you'll get treated well by other people. And the ones that don't fucking do it can fuck off. And so, you know, I was nice to her. She was nice to me. So whatever. So then um, Tuesday told me to check out her post. I checked out her post which again, I will repeat, was me being stupid. And then I get over there and then I comment on her on her thread, which I really shouldn't have done because we weren't friends. And I, you get my point. You get what I'm saying. I really shouldn't have been over there. And so me and her got into it on her page. 
And I'm just good at reading people. And when I say reading, that's an old school term for gays for like really just letting each other have it. And yes, don't fucking be like, oh, actually black women came up with that. No, this is where gay, uh, where, because sometimes gay men have taken a lot, appropriated a lot of what uh, black women say. Like that's just a thing we all know. But it's gone vice versa. And if you ask me, it happened in the hair salons. That's where all the cross pollination has happened. It happens in, the hair salons. It's a breeding ground for gay and black women. That's not the way I meant it. Gay people, because I said it like gay and black women, like they're gay and black. Um, Gay men and black women to really mix in like that color they're fucking mixing. (laughs) But no. So anyway, so uh, reading is really just letting somebody have it, you know, and I read the shit out of Olivia because I'm just good at it. And she got a couple in, I admit that, but it was really all me. If we're just being 100% honest, you want to go back and find the thread, maybe you can find it if you have no life. There's people that'll go that far to do that. So I have no doubt somebody will go find it. Go find it, run along. Anyway, Um, so yeah. And so I read the shit out of her and then like, it was like weeks later that Tuesday let me know. She was like, she was like, yeah, she put that post up after she saw me. And I don't know if she forgot that she had delivered it to me in a way that it was supposed to be like she was talking about me or if she did it intentionally, intentionally, and then forgot she wasn't supposed to tell me because what it came down to was she had kind of sicked me on Olivia and I had fucking taken the bait and I still feel stupid about it. But that's not why me and Tuesday aren't friends. Technically me and Tuesday aren't friends because one time she asked me to show up to her show. Um, she said the show started at eight o'clock. It was for that one, what's it called show? Um, freak show, which has turn popular and whatever, but I still feel the same way I felt about that whole situation. She asked me to be there. She said that eight o'clock was when the show started. So to please be there early. I knew I was headlining, but I still was like, you know, I'm going to respect this situation. I was asked to be there early. So I didn't go to a mic earlier. I went straight to her show and then her show didn't start until closer to nine o'clock and I didn't get on stage until like 10.30. So when I get there before 8 o'clock, which I don't usually show up to shows when they... This is why I don't show up to shows when people say, you should be there early so that we know that you're there. It's like, yeah, something's going to happen on that car ride or I'm going to end up doing my hair extra long or I'm going to do shit and just fucking waste time because I know that shows aren't going to start on time. But because I thought me and Tuesday were friends and she knew me well enough to respect my time and she asked me to... To come in last minute and headline because Ida Rodriguez was supposed to headline it, but Ida ended up getting booked for some money somewhere. God bless Ida, always hustling, always making shit happen. If you know Ida Rodriguez, that is a bitch that is making shit happen, and you gotta respect it. So she has been for a long time too, making shit happen. Um, Ida Rodriguez was part responsible for me getting on Roast of America, like between her and Jerron Horton. But again, I'm getting off the point. What I'm getting at was Ida got booked somewhere else. And so Tuesday Thomas last minute needed a headliner for her freak show. And like, you know, 
I definitely am in line with the Freak Show brand, and I thought she would respect my time. I ended up getting there. They don't start till later. I get on after 10.30. I was so fucking mad. I fucking hated that audience. They were already tired because, like, some people get there, like, early, and then some people get there a little bit late, and, it like, there was bands right after, and they hadn't had the kings figured out, and I just fucking hated. Like, any time I have to wait, a couple hours to do an unpaid show. I'm going to be a cunt on your show. That's just what's going to happen. You don't keep me waiting that fucking long. You tell me that your show, I'll probably go up around 9.30. You say that kind of shit, and then I'll show up before 9.30. Then I haven't wasted my whole fucking night. I can go to a couple open mics, but Tuesday did not allow me that. Instead, she pulled that bullshit and then didn't start her show on time. So fucking Tuesday, Thomas, I called her from the car and let her know. And it was only the only reason I called her from the car was because I didn't want to yell at her in front of her audience or embarrass her. So I was like, let me just call this girl and let her know how she fucked up and wasted my fucking time and not to ever ask me for a favor again. And so that's what I let Tuesday, Thomas, know. And then uh, really with the Olivia Hater thing, when she let me know that, I had kind of let that go because in my head I was like, I just don't even know how to bring that up, you know? And so like, because at the end of the day, I guess even then I realized that that was me being stupid. Like I shouldn't have gone over that. And I think I forgot it until Kenny just mentioned it. Like it was just buried in my memory somewhere, but that's the way that went down. So really me and Olivia Hater shouldn't have a problem anyway, but She's mad because I read her, and I have read her a couple of times pretty good. But there's also, like I said on another episode, that was fun to me in a way. Like, she should have just been fun back and fucking, that's it, you know? But instead, there's all these feelings. So she left once I got there, which is ridiculous. But whatever, I don't know what she thought I was going to do. Maybe have a conversation. Maybe she thought I was going to be nice to her, and then everybody was going to see exactly how hateful she is. Because... <sighs> I've said it before, but I'm so down for other LGBT people in a lot of cases. It's just like, I don't know what you're all holding on to, like this anger that you're holding on to. In a lot of cases, what you don't get is because of my age range, I am the reason, my generation is the reason that people know to be cool with you. And we put in a lot of work, I'm going to tell you that, other LGBT, younger LGBT people. We have put in a lot of work to try to make bridges with the straight community and figure out how to find our spot. And some of us were just fucking thrown out with our fucking dicks in our hand and didn't know any other gay people and didn't have real role models. Like now you got TV and all sorts of stuff showing you how to be gay. Like some of us just had to fucking figure it out and had to be strong people because the world was against you at those times. But people don't get that. Instead, they want to tell me how I'm supposed to talk and how I'm supposed to act after all this many years being gay. Like now, all of a sudden, I need you to come along and teach me. You've been out of the closet for nine months. Get over yourself. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. What I'm really trying to talk about in all this is Quincy Jones. That's what I really want to talk about. Because Quincy Jones is a subject that comes up every once in a while, and then it'll stir up debate again. And then it'll turn into like this, I don't even know what people are trying to do with that anymore. I'm going to tell you guys where I'm at with the Quincy Johnson situation, or Quincy Jones. Sorry, I keep wanting to say Quincy Johnson because I like Quincy Johnson, and I like Quincy Jones. But this story is about Quincy Jones. 
So some of you at home that may not be comics will probably know Quincy Jones because he made an appearance on Ellen and he ended up getting an HBO special. Now, the two things were related in the way that they went down. Quincy had mesothelioma, and I'm not sure the exact specifics about it because to tell you the truth, you guys, I don't really invest my life in what's going on with other people. And that sounds really callous, but really it's not. I'll tell you about how I feel. I love Quincy Jones. I had met him a long time ago, and one time he got on my nerves because he booked me for a show and had me waiting for another one that had me waiting forever. Maybe that's how all of this is connected. People keeping me waiting forever. Um, but anyway, one time Quincy had me waiting forever at this show, but he admits that it was forever, and he shouldn't have had me waiting forever, and he admits that too now. So this is where Olivia, or uh, Tuesday Thomas maybe can learn her lesson or take a page from the Quincy Jones story. You'll end up with fucking mesothelioma that's what i do to people i put the hex on them and they end up with fucking terminal illness or some people would say non-terminal chronic illness but that's the kind of whispers that have been going on for a long time now because here's the way i look at it and i'm just going to be honest with you guys about the way i went through it from the beginning to the end so you guys know exactly where i was where i've been and where i'm at what happened was when Quincy Jones first mentioned, you know, or it became a thing, I shared it and then I texted with Quincy and I was in Vegas at the time and I saw Quincy's post about, you know, the the GoFundMe and I immediately shared it. So the last time I had seen Quincy Jones before I saw his GoFundMe was when me, him, and Zach Elk saw each other at the Karma Lounge to do an open mic. And then me and Zach Elk had plans of going to 40 Below, I think was the name of the little bar. And so we went to that and I had noticed that Quincy was particularly thin, but in the last time I'd seen him, he had been a lot more stocky. And I was like, I wonder, because he was riding a bike when we saw him at Karma, I was like, I wonder if he's just lost a lot of weight, you know, maybe he's just decided to kind of Hollywood it up a little bit, which is something that it's smart to do if you're going to be in Hollywood, you should look like your character, your brand, or whatever it is you're trying to go for, whatever it is you're trying to sell. So I wasn't judging on any level in that way. I just thought, you know, well, he probably just decided to lose weight. So I didn't know that he was sick at all which apparently he had been diagnosed before that or, you know, like he was already going through blood work or whatever, I, but I didn't know this. So then I end up seeing his GoFundMe and I'm like, oh shit, Quincy is really sick. But, you know, I didn't pay attention to all the details and like I said, not in a callous way, but just like I got the, you know, got the general and was like, okay, so I'm going to share this. I want to be a part of helping my friend, you know, get the word out and hopefully get the money for whatever treatment they can give him to try to help him out. And so I did that. Then he gets on like Ellen because it went viral. Everybody was sharing it. Everybody, everybody, everybody was sharing it. And so it really became a big thing. And he ended up on Ellen. And I don't know what else he did, but like there was just a bunch of stuff happening for him. So during that time, there were a couple of different fundraisers where people were, you know, raising money to, I guess, help 
pay his bills or make sure everything was okay financially for him while he was going through all this. So then I show up to one of his benefits. I donated $10, hoping that my $10 would go towards keeping Quincy alive in some way. He's alive to this day, and I'm grateful. I'd like to think it was my $10 that he's still living on to this day. May not be likely. I don't want to know if that's not the truth. As far as I go, my $10 is still what's keeping him alive now. And I'm glad I pitched in that $10 for it. But at the same time, I pitched in $10. Some of you might be like, you fucking cheapskate. A man's fucking dying and you donate $10. Well, I also know me. And I know I got to make sure that I'm able to pay everything I have to pay and take care of myself. And if I were to donate more money than I feel like I should, and then I feel like anything's amiss afterwards, then I'm going to be bitter about that. But see, I didn't do that because I was like, $10 is what I can do. I got $10 in my pocket. $10 is going to this bucket. I'm not sticking around in Echoes Under Sunset and being around people I don't necessarily care for in a lot of cases in such sweaty circumstances because, you know, a lot of the Echoes kids, they were kind of mm, whatever. You don't see a lot of them now. So what does that tell you? Anyway, um, so... I donated my $10. I was happy donating my $10. I felt good donating, donating my $10. And then at a point, uh, it's, people started to rumble a little bit because Quincy outlived his diagnosis, I guess, was a bit of what happened. Again, not paying attention to the particulars. I'm just glad my friend's still alive. So that's where I'm at with it at that time. So people were saying, like, you know, rumbling a little bit. And there was one person that I respected, and I just, I still like her as a person. I don't know exactly what was happening for her at that time. And maybe nothing was happening. Maybe she just was inquisitive or, I don't know. But she was one of the main people spearheading it or whatever. And so... I did, like, read what she posted, and I did, like, you know, read the thread a bit, and there were different people on different sides. For the most part, people were like, you're crazy, Quincy wouldn't pretend to be this, and then somebody said something about, you know, that he had uh, abused his girlfriend at some point, which, you know, I gotta say on that, everybody has a past. Like, I... Different people from different generations, and I'm not saying that's at all excusable or whatever, but I'm not, like, life is long. Sometimes when people are young and they're, like, now, that's, again, like, the being gay thing is also, like, the male-female thing in a lot of ways. When it comes down to it, a lot of us have uncles and aunts that used to have physical fights and stuff like that. And then like the Chris Brown situation, sometimes people are just like raised seeing a certain thing or have seen a certain thing a couple of times in their life and they mirror that behavior and it's a part of a bad cycle that needs to be broken. But to me, once that person has broken their cycle and gone through that life, if they don't continue to live their life that way, then I forgive them and I don't continue to hold that against people. And I would hope that people will be the same with me, even though I know people won't. And I don't even expect it from people. Really, I don't care. That's why I say everything myself. 
Like, you know, I was in an abusive relationship when I was younger. And really what happened was this motherfucker would try to beat me. And every time he tried to beat me, I would just wear him out. And I do mean whoop his ass. And I don't fucking regret it because, uh, you know, what I do regret is not being smart enough to know that that's not love and I needed to get out of it. That I do regret. The fact that I wasted so much time with this guy because our relationship went on for over a year. And he still badmouths me this day, but he tells the story wrong because he forgets that I was 19 years old when that happened. And I had no idea what being in a relationship was, but I knew that, like, if you say you want to be with somebody and you say you love them, you kind of have to put up with some of their shit. And this was just something he would do. And he would, like, he was abusive with me in every way, like, mentally, physically, you know. And, like, you know, originally, the first time he hit me, I kind of, like, was, like, well, I don't really know what to do about that. You know what I mean? One time I got hit with the fucking car, uh, like the, the door fucking flew open and he was pissed off at me and he was backing up and the fucking door hit me and I flew. And I mean, like that fucked me up. I fucking slid on gravel. I remember I was in a fucking Circle K parking lot when this shit happened. And this motherfucker doesn't even stop to see if I'm all right. He just fucking takes off. But People can grow, people can learn, people can change. So I'm not going to hold, and plus I don't even know the severity of any kind of domestic violence thing that might have happened with Quincy. And plus I don't know Quincy to ask him like that, and I don't care to dig around in his past like that. I just don't. And I don't, maybe I'm not nosy enough in that way, but like that's where I'm at with that. So when people bring that up, I'm like, yeah, kind of out of bounds as far as I'm concerned. But I guess say what you want, say what you're going to say. So I'm... You know, whatever. I'm indifferent to that. I'm just, whatever. Life is life, whatever. But then some people start saying that they don't think he's sick or or he, like, made himself sound like he was sicker than he was. And, I like, that too, I was just like, well... I don't know, and I really don't care. So then, like, it goes on for a while, and people continue to talk about it, and it lasted probably a couple of weeks. And then a few people, like, told me a few things, which I won't throw them under the bus in any way or anything, but they were kind of questioning it or whatever. And then I was like, well, I guess, you know, like, if you have all of these things you say and you're... I'm taking them at their word, too, because, like I said... I'm not really doing research on any of this. I'm not going to fucking go to Google and even fucking, I don't care in a way. I just don't fucking care. Like, and I say in a way because then one time I was asked for my opinion by, or about it by one of my friends. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess I can see what you guys could say or saying if you're saying that he outlived his diagnosis. And so like I had that conversation with a friend. But I still wasn't, like, at all in the, like, you know, I think Quincy's a fucking charlatan camp. I just was like, you know, I guess, yeah, maybe it could be, like, you know, it got exaggerated or something like that. But then there was also part of me that felt like the Ellen people would probably do their research on that. So if it's good enough for Ellen, it's good enough for me. Like, Oprah had that situation where she interviewed that guy that wrote that book, like, a thousand tiny pieces or a million tiny pieces or whatever, um, whatever that joke was, um, or that book was that she had the author on and it turned out that he had lied. So I figure that Ellen's research team probably did everything that they were supposed to do. Then I was talking to another friend of mine about it and he was like, Hey, this is what I think. I think that Quincy probably when he was, you know, made that video, 
he probably was dealing with like doctors at the county or maybe didn't have the best medical care. And then he ends up getting all this money, you know, because Ellen donated money and like, you know, he made his HBO special and I'm sure he got money for that. And, you know, the GoFundMe went crazy and made well over what it was supposed to make. And so this friend and then also just the publicity people paying attention to you. So this friend was like, maybe he got the attention of better doctors and they were able to do more for him than the doctors he was originally able to see, which we all know that medical care can be ridiculous. And like, you know, originally when, because I talk about the silicone that I had injected into my face, I know I talked about that on an episode. And uh, for a long time, I found a bunch of doctors that said they couldn't do absolutely anything about it, anything at all. So then, you know, I researched, 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 and it took forever, but I found a doctor that could actually scrape most of it out. So... Like sometimes, you know, people either find out different things or you just come across a different doctor or a different specialist. And then there's different hope that's offered or different ways of trying to prolong. So when that friend explained it to me that way, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense to me. And then since then, I've always just been in that. And the other thing is, it's if people think he was exaggerating, like how far it went, I mean, like you can take that as a, like a debatable point to me but when people are and make it seem like he probably doesn't have cancer at all or isn't going through anything it's like yeah I don't think this many people would be in on a hoax for that long I just don't I don't think people would be he'd be going through chemo or any of the shit that he's done so I mean like I just feel like if you donate money or you're really a part of that cause, then you wanted for him to live. Voila. Wish granted. He's still living. So I got my money's worth and all I paid was $10. And then some people might get mad at me for like even bringing up the Quincy thing. But I just brought it up because everybody talks about it and I'm like... I want to actually let people know where I am with this. And Quincy did make me his uh, random person, random appreciation person day or whatever it is. And I did appreciate that. Technically, I thought he was a little late on it because we've known each other for so long. But once it happened, I was like, thank you, Quincy, random person. And you're appreciating me. Thank you very much. But uh, my point with that is I love Quincy and I don't bring it up to say anything disparaging about him because if I want to do that, I would just do it and that's where I'd leave it. But what I say about Quincy is I really love Quincy and I'm glad that we still have him on this earth, however it's happening. And people can stop asking me about that because now I talked about it and I'm bothered. So you don't have to have a private conversation with me. I'll just tell you you can listen to this episode um, I'll name it after Quincy so everybody knows exactly what episode is and then we don't have to go over this again. Um, as far as the time that I mentioned where I questioned him, I will repeat that, that in my head I did like because of the, the way that people put it together. And I'm not blaming people in any way, don't get me wrong. I'm saying people had presented evidence that seemed 
at least where it could create a little suspicion in my head. And I acknowledge that. And I don't mind acknowledging that because if you don't already know this about me, even though I said what I said about religion, I very much believe in God. But every once in a while, I do question God or I question his methods. I don't so much question his existence anymore. And it's, some people would say her. I mean, like, I I think if you're debating, like, when it comes to God and Jesus and people get into the, like, well, Jesus was black and then they really want to push that or other people are, like, saying that he's white or the people that are, like, you know, male, female, like... I I think if you're really debating that kind of shit, you're missing the point of all of it. I mean, like, I refer to God however I, you know, refer to him because since I was young, that's just the way that I got it in my brain. And so I have this kind of picture of what I think God and Jesus look like and that very well may have been shaped by white America or partly by... Well, I don't even know if white America because... I mean, like, everybody I was around was very Mexican, so. And, you know, my point is, I've got my picture of what I think Jesus looks like and God looks like and or the way I refer to everything. And you guys can have the same, but my real point was if I can question God and I have at points in my life, then I can question Quincy Jones. But like I said, I'm well past the questioning point. At this point, I just wish he would stop being sick because I don't necessarily like knowing that a friend of mine is in pain all the time or having to go through all these different treatments. I mean, like, I've done little things like fucked up my shoulder or at a point fucked up my leg, and I know how much that takes out of my life and what I really want to be doing, and it even affects the way that I travel or my comfort level when I travel, and I'd rather not have one of my friends go through that. And so when people are saying, you know, the things that they're saying, that it's miraculous or whatever... I hope it continues to be miraculous. And to tell you the truth, I hope he 100% beats whatever it is that's fucking him up. And I only say whatever it is because I don't remember if it's cancer specifically or mesothelioma specifically or some kind of late state. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I didn't really look into it like that, you guys. And I don't want to. Just like flat earth. People keep talking about flat earth and it's like, I don't care about flat earth i don't what do we even get if it is flat i mean like is there any big prize at the end do we really get anything for the earth being flat or are we just like cold and the earth is flat i guess so i don't i don't care i'm so tired of people and the things they talk about but it's, it's the fun at the same time it's fun obviously for me to talk about because like it does get me jumbled up for a second that people are so into these things and then I get to talk about them and then I truly do feel unbothered you know I would at some point like to have Quincy Jones on my podcast but just as a fucking guest but I don't think we have to talk about that if he ever wanted to talk about it I'd be open to it but you know, the things that everybody else wants to talk about, I don't necessarily want to talk to them about. I always feel like I want to talk to you about something different or maybe hear a different side of you than most people would expect to hear. That's what I want. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just trying to avoid telling you guys that I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I when I... 
first moved to L.A., it really was because I wanted to get good at stand-up. And obviously, I wanted to make something happen here, too, even though I didn't know exactly what that what would be, you know? Like, what is it I'm trying to make happen here? I mean, I didn't have a concrete idea. I just knew that I was supposed to come here, and everything felt right about being here. And for a long time, I felt like it was right being here. There was a point when I left for a little bit to go be with my ex when I was engaged, but I knew that I wasn't going to stay there. I was lying to myself, but I knew that I wasn't going to stay in Phoenix, that I was going to have to come back. And then since I've been back, I feel like I was here for the amount of time that I needed to be here. Like, I don't feel like I've wasted time. But more recently, I've just started to feel like, what exactly am I doing here? Like, I'm not trying to write a pilot or sell anything. And I'm not an actor. I don't go out on auditions. And most of the stuff that I book, I could book from anywhere I am. And it's not like, I mean, like the show, the, the clubs have been really great with me. Like, you know, Laugh Factory, I got to tell you, when I remember to submit avails to them, because I'm going to be honest, most weeks I fucking forget. And I plan on sending them in. And they send, I get the email when they send it. But lately they've done this thing where it's like the schedule works different and it's got like a bunch of dates. It used to be like a couple weeks out for a week, that kind of thing. Now it's gotten a bit like, I don't want to pay attention to that, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I haven't, but when I submit avails to them, they usually will get me on at Laugh Factory. Improv has been better to me than they should in a lot of cases where they just hit me up out of nowhere because I forget to send avails, avails to them. Comedy and Magic, when I'm in town, they're usually really good with me. And Haha, well, Haha is its own story, and one day we'll talk about that, but Haha is the Haha, and technically I could work for them if I wanted to, but... Like I said, a story for another day. Anyway, my point is the clubs have been really good to me. So it's not like I'm like, that's not happening when I want it to. But it's just like, I just don't really want to be here. Like, all of the things I talk about, all of the things that I love about life that make me want to be funny happen in regular life. They don't happen just by having conversations with comics. And I'm, I love more comics than I hate or don't like. There's so many people on the scene that I really do like and I respect and I realize where they're at and what they're trying to do. And, you know, some of them are going to do it. Some of them are going to go different ways and that's just the way it goes. But... I really feel like I wish everybody well. It's not a thing where I feel like, fuck you, L.A., and this has been whatever, whatever, and let me give a big middle finger to everybody, and I'm fucking out of here. Like, I don't feel like that at all. I just feel like I've outgrown my purpose here, or maybe my purpose here... Like, this part of 
what I was supposed to do here has already, I've done it. I've done everything that I needed to do here in LA that I have to be here for. That's the way I feel. Like, I don't feel like I've done everything I want to do in the industry. And I'm not saying I'm going to quit comedy. Um, I'm not saying I never will because I'd like to think I never would. But, like, I do what God tells me. And when God tells me things are right, I, I do them. And that's just the way it works. And I'm not a crazy person that thinks I'm literally talking to God. I just feel like the universe pushes me in different directions and I can try to fight that, but it's not going to do me any good to try to fight something that seems so clear to me. Because I've been thinking about it for a while, and I know I mentioned it at the beginning of the year because it was already there, but it was like I still felt like I had to be here. Now I've gotten to the point where I feel sometimes, because if I say that I'm leaving, then people make it seem like I have to stay here and fight in some way. But really, what am I fighting against or what am I fighting for? I'm fighting a bunch against a bunch of people that have opinions that come from completely different places than mine, but they don't realize that that's why we think so differently because our factors have been differently or been different. Our, our lives have been lived differently. Our lives have been lived differently. But I don't feel like I have to argue anything into them at this point. Like I, any arguing that I've done with people for the most part was me trying to tell them that this is kind of like get what they're saying, but this is probably a smarter way to do it or a way where you can add a little bit of honey to the mixture and still get what you want. You just don't get the satisfaction and gratification of calling people stupid or making them seem like they were just supposed to know what was going on in your head. But people didn't get that. And I don't feel like that's a bad thing in the way like, you know, like people are just too stupid to get it, so I'm going to get out of here. Not like that. It's just like, you know, I tried to help some people out and kind of let them know what was up. So I don't need to be here for that reason. It's not like I'm really teaching any lessons. Um... Yeah, at this point, it's like people make it sound like I should stay and fight for something. But like I said, I don't know what it is and I don't know what it's for. And I feel like if I just stay in this city and in this scene, it'll just be staying out of spite. And I don't ever want to live my life out of spite. You know, I don't ever want to truly live my like that's one of the been the one of the fun things about the way that I handle social media is people the reason people are entertained by me with social media, I think in a lot of cases, because most intelligent people can tell that sometimes I am just saying things in a particular way because I know that it'll make you clutch your pearls, you know? But it's not the whole reason I do it, but it is like, oh, you think that's racist? Let's try this one on. Oh, you think that one's transphobic? Let's go ahead and do this one. And I, I like doing that to people that just keep getting like, oh my God, oh my God. It's like, you're so easy. It's like a button that I push and I get to watch you have this ridiculous reaction. I get to watch you fucking fall out. I get to watch you call everybody's attention to me because you, I keep hitting your button. You know, so it's, it's, it's like, 
that part has been fun, but it's never been like I'm staying out of spite. It's like I'm doing everything else I have to do at the same time as I'm getting on your nerves. So it's like just kind of multitasking in my my opinion it's like okay this is the way I keep myself entertained but I've gone past being entertained by it like the reason I've been being nicer to people on social media and having actual conversations with people is because I feel like I've really exhausted that just as far as I go like I guess I could get into it with somebody at some point and I wouldn't put it past me and I'd you know be just as good as it uh, at, a, at it as I was when I was doing it last but you know like it it's gotten boring for me. Like I'm enjoying some of the real conversations I'm having with people. I'm enjoying that, you know, some people are really taking in what some of what I'm saying and like, oh yeah, that does at least make a little bit of sense in not being upset, not always being such a, because, you know, like some of the people that I've got into it online, like they talk about me, like I really violated them. And it's like, I fucking put up a Facebook post where I wasn't even thinking about you. And then you jumped in and tried to call me stupid. And then you got your feelings hurt. And now you want to say that I victimized you in some way. Well, that's just not what happened. It's just not. It's a misrepresentation of facts is what it is. So, and I accept that you're welcome to feel however you want to feel about this. I'm just saying that me sticking around for it would be unhealthy. Like, I'm not invested on any level at this point. I have people uh, occasionally trying to protest shows I do. They'll send in emails to website or uh, to the clubs on my website, which I've talked about. That's continuing to happen. And you can go that route if you want to, but most of the places I perform don't really care. Like, they did that with that gay show, and, like, they cared for a second, and then I just reminded them, like, you're still going to have to pay me, because it was, like, the day of the show that they tried to cancel, and I was like, and I'm still going to show up at your event, because I got to pick up my money, like, I'm not going to just expect you to pay me later, like, I was supposed to get my money, I'm, I'm going to go get my money, that's what's going to happen, and I, that wasn't a threat to make a scene, I wasn't going to make a scene, but if people are going to protest my even being there, well, they're still going to be mad because I'm going to be there because I got to get a check. And if they're really protesting and annoying, I'm going to show them my check on the way out. Just so I can be like, okay, this is how great your protest worked out. I still had to be paid for this event. So, and it makes no sense to protest me anyway, especially in LGBT circumstances because... Whether you like it or not, I'm living the life, and I am a gay man. I am living as a gay man. That's what I do. I mean, like, if you looked at my Facebook the last week, I was hanging out with other gay men. We were doing gay shit. It's just what it was. So what, you're saying I'm homophobic and whatever else? Well, tell the fucking fag to suck my dick behind the dumpster how homophobic I am, because <laughs> that happened. I'm not proud. Well... I'm not ashamed of it, but I ain't proud of it either. It just fucking happened, all right, you guys? Fucking happened. So, yeah, so I'm just like, and this is the way my life is. Like, that's the way my life is. And I know that that's going to mature and change too. Like, that's one of the reasons I want to get back to regular life again. And like I said, I'm going to continue doing stand-up, and I'm sure I'll be able to book, up, book even more stuff than ever because I tried not to be on the road too much the last, what, 
year and a half maybe because there was a point where I was like, I'm on the road all the time, but I live in LA. Why am I paying this kind of rent to just be on the road all the time and not really be in LA? So then I was like, maybe I should spend more time in LA. Maybe I'll get something if I just hang out in LA. Well, nothing fucking happened, you know? And I'm not saying that's anybody's fault. And I know some of my online presence did affect that in certain ways and make me not marketable for certain shows or for certain opportunities. But I don't regret that either because I feel like the stance that I've taken in the last two years or whatever it's been that I've been so vocal on social media, I don't feel like any of that has been a mistake. I feel like I've gotten to know myself better and I feel like I've had to defend certain unpopular positions that I really did feel um, and in some cases still do feel. All of them, no, not as much into different degrees and when I get new information, I act like a person that's got new information. So yeah, my mind has changed on certain things and I've gotten to see more and more of what other people think just because I've left myself open to it, even though I've always been like, this is my opinion. I'm still open to hearing most other people's opinions. Like I said, as long as they don't start off by calling me stupid, I'm fine with hearing it. So I don't feel like it's been a mistake because I've learned so much. But I feel like most of my material in the future is going to be coming from living more of a regular life. Like being able to do this many open mics has been a great training ground for me at like putting material together and finding my voice. And I still feel like I'm still finding my voice, but well, I probably, you could say have found my voice, but now it's just a matter of continuing to hone it and craft it. And so, and I think that'll be for the rest of my life. As long as I'm in stand up, I'll always be honing and crafting and probably never feel like I completely got it. There's sometimes when people look at me now and think I had a great set and all I can think of is what I did wrong. So, you know, and there's times when I just enjoy a set for what it was. And I'm like, I don't care what I messed up. I had a good time. The audience loved it. I loved it. So what if I stuttered a couple of jokes? It was a good time. And I'm taking this one as a win. There's those nights too. And I think that you have to give yourself both. But I think more and more my material is going to come from the fact that I talk about my parents on my podcast all the time. And I love my parents. But... I don't know how much longer I'm going to have them. I don't. I know they're getting older, and I see them getting older. And my dad promised me he was going to live forever. I remember when I was little, he made me the promise. But I look at him, and I don't think he's going to keep that promise. <laughs> you know? So I just I want to spend time with him. I want to spend time with my mom. I want to listen to her talk shit to me. And I know that it gets on my nerves sometimes. And I'm not a person who thinks that my relationship with my parents is absolutely perfect. I mean, things are going to continue. There's going to be small things here and there when I'm around them more that are going to get on my nerves or whatever. But like the more I'm around them and the more I realize that they're not going to be around forever, the more that I just let things slide. And I'm like, yeah, I... I'm cool with you talking shit to me because I don't know how much longer you're going to be around talking shit to me. I don't know how much longer my mom's going to be around to check me and my dad's going to be around to make me laugh because my dad makes me laugh all the time. And he's not even dad jokey. He's just like silly to me. He's just funny. And so I want to be around them. I've got 
nephews and nieces that I absolutely love. They're silly and they're, I call them babies still. And I see like now how adults never see kids as grownups or once they, you know, watched you grow up, you're always a baby to them because that's the way I feel about my nieces and nephews. They're already in their 20s. And I still look at them and just think, you fucking silly babies. You're just, you're silly babies. You're driving around in cars. My nephew got a house, you know, he bought a house. And I just felt like, what's this silly baby doing with the house? Why does this baby have a house? My niece has a house. I mean, like, they're babies, but they're not babies. So... I want to be around them a bit more because they make me laugh. And, you know, there's just, and yeah, maybe sometime I would like to actually have a relationship. I mean, like, I've been fun with the grinder and I'm like still fun with the grinder sometimes. Not as much as I used to be, but, you know, and maybe I won't want to be in a relationship. Maybe I'll date for a little while. I don't fucking know. You know, I just know I got a good fucking personality. People like fucking talking to me. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and, and just fucking, yeah. I've, there's just that other part of life, you know? And I feel like I can, I can do both. I do feel like, you know, I can do stand-up and live a bit of a regular life and live somewhere else and pay less rent. Because that's the other thing. Like, the rent in L.A. is so ridiculous for such a small amount of space. I mean, and then getting to the gym, you know? Like, I really do... I don't think people get how much I enjoy going to the gym. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I think it helps with depression and just sanity in general. And so, for me... Having it be a longer than it has to be drive to and from the gym every day is also something that I'm like, you know, and then pet care, which may sound silly to people, but I have two dogs and that's something that I have to think about. And Chris Rubio is a very good friend and doesn't charge me a lot of money to take care of my dogs, but I do pay him to take care of my dogs. So that too is money that I could be putting towards whatever it is I'm doing, like as far as, you know... I want to do more things to like figure out building my like everything that I'm doing in a smarter way, you know, and uh, online presence and stuff like that is really helpful. And if I can dedicate more capital towards things like that instead of paying too much for rent and the other ridiculousness that comes with living in L.A., then I'm down with that, you know? I mean, like, even time and effort, like uh, editing clips and stuff like that, it's so time-consuming, and a lot of people don't understand that that is part of the job, and it's so time-consuming, time-consuming. And so if I'm out at mics all night and then I try to squeeze that stuff, how about I start doing less stuff, more stuff that actually matters, like, as far as mics, because there's plenty of good places I can go. I mean, like, in most cities I go to, I can get, really good stage time. So I don't really know what it is that I need to be in LA for. Plus there's a fact that there's a lot of new like open micers and stuff and that's the way it's always worked. But as I've gotten older, obviously you can tell I've gotten less patient with it. And I think I've 
almost completely run out of patience with it. And that's not necessarily fair to the new up and comers, you know, like you guys are supposed to have fun and party and drink and stuff like that. Like we did some of that, not nearly as much as you guys do though. I got to be honest, but like when I was first starting out, like we did some of that, we did our share. So like, I can understand, you know, it's part of the scene and it's new and it's, you know, you guys are having fun and I get that, but as a grown-ass woman, that ain't what I'm trying to be around. Plus, um, I also feel like I'm more needed in other areas when it comes down to it. One of the things that I've always liked and even prided myself on when it comes to stand-up is that I'm a voice that's not meant to preach to the choir and in LA it's kind of a lot of the choir you know it's just like a lot of like rah rah gay and that kind of stuff and that's not really like where in my opinion I can be the most effective agent of change you know it just doesn't seem it seems like kind of a waste of it to the point where people, like I was saying, protest it. Like people are so overly PC that they don't understand or respect what basically is militant faggotry delivered with a smile. I mean, because I don't know if you've ever heard about what I do on the road. But I am the dirty faggot on the road that I am in these open mics or wherever the fuck I am. I'll talk about shit like glory holes every once in a while. I'll talk about... And when I say every once in a while, the reason I say every once in a while is because anybody that's seen me knows every set is different. It's just the way it works. If you watch my sets, even for an entire week, you'll notice that every set is different. And that's even if I'm getting paid... Every set will be, they're like snowflakes. I'm just like, I don't even know how they're going to come out. I know I've got certain bits that, that work, and I know that if I run into any trouble, I can fall to one of those bits. And I know that at certain points, it's like God just tells me that bit goes in right there, and I'm just figuring out like a puzzle or like a you know word game that you're playing you know with yourself is like the way that my brain works. you know. And so it's like, okay, or it's almost like being a DJ. You're like, okay, I'm going to play this song now. Now the audience wants this okay I'm gonna see if I have anything like that and you know you gotta find it and you gotta make it work and that's what I like to do you know is like a lot of figuring it out and like fucking with it and and so yeah some nights you'll hear a fucking glory hole joke some nights it's a sucking dick in a bush joke some nights it's a fucking more like race joke some nights it's you know it's, it is what it is and I just like to see it grow and I like to see what it does and I like no limits and LA has become a place where in that way it's gotten boring for me because it's like you know you keep trying to fucking censor me and I don't know why how about you just let me see where I'm going with this? Because a lot of times I'm trying to find my way to a point that really is going to be for, like, it's going to spread a message in a particular way that's going to make it very effective for me to actually let people understand a lot of the stuff that they're trying to understand. Because I've said it a million times, people are trying to get it. 
people, especially when it comes to LGBT, people are trying to get it, but they don't have anybody explaining explaining it to them in a way that's like not dumbed down in a rude way, but just like so it's more accessible to the everyday person that hasn't had the most experience with it. So that's where I come in. But when I've got other people that claim to be what I am telling me what it is I can and can't say, but they're not bothering to go to the places that I go to. Instead, they're performing in the most progressive places and only for the choir. Then it's like, yeah, I don't need you in my way. And if you're going to get in my way, you don't even deserve the privilege of watching my process. Because that's what you're watching. You're watching an actual process. You're watching me figure out how it is How it is, I'm going to make this the most palatable. And there's other people out there doing it and doing good job of it. Like I mentioned Thomas Dale the other day on my Facebook. Thomas Dale is a, is a gay comic or a comic that happens to be gay that's really funny, that incorporates it into a set, isn't at all ashamed of it, really owns it, and is saying something different and in a different way. So it's not like I'm the only one doing it, but... Just the way that I do it and the people that I've done it around and the places that I go to work on it have made it so that people will try to protest my process. And it's like, yeah, I'm not protesting while you're doing the same terrible set over and over and over and don't realize that the only reason you're so bad is because you constantly limit yourself. Now, I'll watch you and I'll take all your lessons if I want to learn how to not do well. If I want to learn how to not make audiences laugh, I will watch you first. I will go to your set. I know exactly who to go to to learn these lessons because I've been seeing them do it over and over. But see, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to continue rocking these audiences, which anybody that's been on the road with with me will tell you I definitely do do. That's not something. It's not really debatable, you know? I can provide you with a bunch of clips, and I'm going to provide you with a bunch of clips, and a lot of it's going to be me doing crowd work and you getting me getting to see me do what I do best, which is, yes, I'm fucking great at writing material, if you want to call it writing, because I come up with it when I'm on stage, and then I just work it, work it, work it everywhere I go. But like, there's very little writing that goes on, which I know is going to really piss some of you nerds off, but sorry about it. Don't really usually write. Still come up with way better shit than you. How many hours are you dedicating? Do you have something you 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 learned that you heard Seinfeld wrote 10 jokes a day or whatever? Yeah, I don't do any of that shit. Not making Seinfeld money, though, either. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm just, you know, I don't write a lot. I just fucking try shit on stage and I, that's, you know, and, but... Because I'm the way I am, you know, where I really do the best, aside from the writing or whatever you want to call it, is in the moment crowd work and fucking with people and making people feel like they got their money's worth. That's what I... You want to know when it comes to stand-up, what I really try to aim for is, like, there's no customer service part in my body you know like as far as just regular customer service goes like I wouldn't be good as an actual customer service person and when I was younger I tried it and yeah not good at it but um when it comes to doing stand-up that's where I do want to make sure everybody got their money's worth and 
I've been with me at every show I've done, you guys. That's just the way it works. And I can tell you, over my span and the amount of shows that I've done, there haven't been a lot of people that haven't felt like they've gotten their money's worth. So it's going to be official when I give my notice to my manager. i got to type it up and put it in an envelope uh, with the rent money order. I don't write checks because I just like that money to be gone. Don't leave it in my account. Don't take your time cashing it. Here, it's a money order. It's gone. But that's just a little tip for you kids. Um, once I go ahead and put my letter in, letting my giving my 30-day notice that I'm leaving my apartment, which I love my apartment, and that's something that I'm going to miss. And I love that I live near MacArthur Park, even though most people wouldn't. It's been a great place to walk my dogs and... This apartment has definitely helped me grow, and it's been my home, and it's Casa de Bijou, but, you know, we'll get another Casa de Bijou. I don't ever worry about her. Bijou has no problem making a place her own, so I don't even got to sweat that kind of shit. I know wherever we gonna, wherever we go is going to be home. Why? Because it's Casa de Bijou, and she's going to make it like that. And then I got my little Jerry, who's always going to have his couch wherever I'm at. So, or I should say, wherever Bijou will have us. And yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on the details and stuff. But I just want to get back to at least having half of a regular life. I don't really have a lot in common, you know, with uh, a lot of the open micers coming up. And it's not in a bad way. It's just, you know, partly, you know, it's in part due to age. That's what it is, and I don't mind admitting it, and there's no shame about it. That's just what it is. Like, I look at some of the younger people some days, and I'm like, you know, yeah, they're stupid. But then, you know, it's not anything to be mad about. It was like, yeah, I was stupid too when I was that age, and they should be stupid, and stupid is fun. And stupid is where you make mistakes and you learn stuff from. And so, but, you know, at a certain age, it's like, okay, I don't want to be around that because I've already seen it or different versions of it. And it's just not where I need to be. I need to be around people. You know what they say, like, surround yourself with people that you want to be like or you aspire to be like or that kind of stuff. I want to do more of that, you know, like more where... Yeah, maybe we they're not going to be comics in every case, but just where it's like, yeah, I want my life moving more towards that. And also, I promised my mom at some point that I would give her a baby. I remember I promised her that too. But just like my dad promised me he was going to live forever and then that didn't start to look like it was going to happen. Uh, I think my mom is feeling the same way about me and that baby. But I'm going to try to give her a baby at some point. And don't pressure me about it. Don't ask me about it, guys. I'll just let you know when it actually happens, if it actually happens. But at some point, I got to work on giving my mom a child. So I want her and my dad to, um, you know, experience being a non-antata to somebody other than just my doggies, which they are non-antata to my doggies. They're very sweet with my doggies. Um, which, yeah, that's what I was saying about pet care. I won't have to pay for them to be taken care of because I can just leave them with my parents, and my parents will take care of them, and, you know, they love them. So, and my dogs love my parents too. So, But, yeah, still, if I die, though, they're going to Chris Rubio and Vern. They just have to. It's just the way it works. I already decided that, so my parents can take care of them, you know, forever until I die. Hopefully my parents die before I do, though, because 
I don't, this really sounds bad to say that, but I was going to say, I don't think they could live without me. But, you know, me living without them is going to be terrible. I know it. I know it. I know it. But at the same time, I know that that's the way life's supposed to work. You know, you're supposed to eventually see your parents off and um, make them feel good about the fact that they are moving on and not have worry. And I feel like, you know, there's also that, like when it comes to the way that our my family is structured, you know, like I play a big role in stuff. It's just the way it always has been with everything, every aspect of my family, I play a big role. And it's not because I necessarily chose that. It's, you know, I'm fine with it. I love it. I love my position in my family, but at the same time, there's a lot of pressure in the way that I have to be there. I mean, like, I have to know what it is my exact places and what it is that needs to be taken care of when they do move on as far as even my sisters and what they're going to need or what where they're at in life. And it's it's a lot... I guess in a way it would seem like a lot to think about if I hadn't been prepared for it my entire life. You know? But, so there's that too. And I'm not, I gotta say, I'm really not bothered about any of this. Like, I just feel like Everything's happening the way that it's supposed to. And that I just need to be both proactive and loose at the same time. Proactive in the way that I've got to make that move and figure out how to make that move. But at the same time, continue to pay attention to the signals that I'm being given and stay alert, you know, And then, like, the other thing is, say my parents don't die fast enough, right? I need to start slowly poisoning them. I mean, like, just trace amounts, little by little, so that this doesn't drag on too long. Then I can come back to L.A. At that point, I'll have been on the road a bit longer. So I'll be able to come back to L.A. with their money and my money. But I can't just all at once, so I got to slowly poison them if they hang on too long. And that's going to take some research, and I don't know exactly how I'm going to do all this. Anyway, the point is, I got to get back to these parents of mine in some way or another. That's what's what the point is. And so, L.A., um, I love all of you, and I'll do an episode that's completely dedicated to this if you want to. I might even do a Facebook Live where I take a few questions I don't mind if people have questions. If anybody over the next couple of weeks that I'm going to be here wants to maybe pull me aside at an open mic and bury the hatchet with me or you feel like you have something you want to get off your chest in some way as long as you approach it respectably or respectfully, I should say, then I am open to hear it. But um, I have no hard feelings. I have very much... Enjoyed my life here in L.A., but it's just that time, you know? Anyway, more on another episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, 
You can go to americasfavoritefag.com to find out that I'll be in Vegas this week, which is where I am, which is where I'll be when I put this out. And I will be in Chicago, honey, uh, the 11th through the 13th. The 11th through the 13th, I'll be in Chicago, where I'll be at the Comedy Bar in downtown Chicago. I believe that's what the website is at exactly. But yes, the Comedy Bar in Chicago. Well, guys, that's it for right now. I don't know what you guys have planned for your week, but whatever you do, you do yourself a favor and you stay unbothered, baby.